This is Broken Pledge, a special project of the Columbus Dispatch. It is a story about fraternity hazing and the life and death of Colin Wyant, an 18-year-old student at Ohio University. I am Sheridan Hendricks. As you listen to this special project, please consider supporting investigative journalism like this by visiting dispatch.com slash subscribe. Before we begin, a note to our listeners. This episode contains graphic sexual content. On October 22, 2018, at 5.03 p.m., Kathleen Wyatt received an urgent text message from her son, Colin. Colin. I need to talk to you about something urgent and time-consuming. Kathleen. I can talk now. Colin. Okay, I'm going to call you from a brother's phone. What Colin told Kathleen on the phone was shocking to the mother of five. On a Friday night in October 2018, Colin walked an 18-year-old woman home from a house party at Sigma Pi at 45 Mill Street. And now, police were asking him if he raped the woman in her dorm room. What happened that night between Colin and the woman isn't clear. It was the beginning of Ohio University's homecoming weekend. Parties had broken out all over campus fraternity and sorority houses were packed with pledges, active members, and alumni. Sigma Pi hosted a party on Friday night, October 19th. Colin was manning the door at the fraternity house. The Sigma Pi brothers were fueling the festivities with a mixed drink called Jungle Juice, a concoction of fruit juices, vodka, and rum. Two other students interviewed by OU police about the assault allegation said the brothers also put Xanax in that drink at parties but it's unclear whether they tainted the drinks that night. The female student with Colin told police that she drank two solo cups of the alcoholic beverage starting at about 9.30 p.m. She said she could not remember anything that happened after that. It was clear to her friends and some partygoers that she needed to go home. She lived at Boyd Hall Dormitory, which is just less than a mile walk from the Sigma Pi house. Colin was nominated to walk the woman home. What happened during the next hour or so remains a mystery, except that the two had sex. Twice. Around 11.30 p.m., friends found the woman alone outside of her residence hall crying, according to a police report. A few of them told police she was slurring her words and repeating things over and over. She appeared to be drunk. Several other students interviewed by police said that they drank the jungle juice that night and felt fine after. The next morning, she met up with friends. She attended a kegs and eggs event and then went to a restaurant on Court Street. She returned to her dorm later that morning and noticed two used condoms in her room. One had been left on her desk, the other on the floor. There was an empty condom wrapper in the trash can. The clothes she had been wearing the night before were in unusual places in the room. On her phone were two text messages from a number she didn't recognize, according to a police report. She texted the number to find out who it was. It was Colin. How did I meet you? She asked. 45 mil party, Colin responded. Did you walk me home? She asked. Yeah, Colin said. Did you have sex with me? She asked. I'm pretty sure, Colin replied. University police interviewed Colin about the incident for the first time on October 22nd during the school day. Colin told a university police detective that the two had walked back to her dorm to have sex. 
He said it was consensual. Collins said he had also had some of the jungle juice and smoked marijuana that night before walking the woman home. He told police that he had smoked a dab, a highly concentrated and potent dose of cannabis, before the two had had sex a second time. Collins said the woman seemed happy in the beginning, but by the time he left that night, her mood had changed. By 6.45 p.m., about 100 minutes after receiving Collins' phone call, Kathleen Wyant had rushed from the family's home south to Athens to get him. By then, Colin had voluntarily given his cell phone to police, as well as a sample of his DNA. It was a stunning scenario for Kathleen. Her mind was racing. Police now had Colin's cell phone. Rape? This wasn't Colin, she kept saying in her head over and over. The dispatch tried several times to talk with the female student who had been with Colin that night. She ultimately declined to speak. As a policy, the dispatch does not identify those who say they are victims of sexual assault. Some of the older members and officers within the Sigma Pi fraternity huddled after Colin made them aware of the situation. They weren't sure what to do. They decided to suspend Colin from formal pledge activities pending the police investigation. On October 25th, roughly four days after the rape allegation surfaced, Colin exchanged texts with Sigma Pi President Elijah Wahib. The pledges were supposed to gather that night at the Sigma Pi house and recite the fraternity's pledge. Colin wanted to come, according to text messages obtained by the dispatch from a source close to the investigation. What's my status for tonight? Colin asked. Do not come, Elijah sent back. Also, I thought the cops had your phone. Colin responded. No, they mirrored it, but they didn't get any active messages or anything. Yeah, just sit this one out, Elijah wrote back. Colin asked, do I have to stay away from 45 while it's going on? Elijah, no, you can chill. Just can't have you affiliated at the moment. Colin responded, I understand. Some of the brothers of Sigma Pi were supportive of Colin. Some of them had paid attention to confirmation hearings of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who had been accused of sexual assault. The televised hearings had happened a few weeks before the accusation surfaced about Colin. Kavanaugh had faced accusations by a woman named Christine Blasey Ford, who said that when they were in high school, he was drunk and held her down on a bed, groped her, tried to pull her clothes off, and cover her mouth when she screamed. Sigma Pi brothers told Colin, like Kavanaugh, he was innocent until proven guilty. A few of the Sigma Pi brothers thought that Colin would soon rejoin his pledge class. But the same day the other pledges gathered to recite the fraternity's creed, university police were at the fraternity house. They were taking photos of the outside and surrounding area. During this time, police and the Athens County Prosecutor's Office were jointly investigating the rape allegation. They were busy gathering evidence. Prosecutors asked police to gather the clothes the woman had been wearing that night. They also took the comforter from her bed because it had an unusual stain the woman didn't remember seeing before. Nearly half a dozen witnesses who saw the woman after the incident also were interviewed. Most of them said they thought she had too much to drink. Authorities subpoenaed her prescription records kept on file with the state. But Colin didn't hear much from the police during this time. He started to tell friends that he did nothing wrong. He said it would all blow over. 
On the weekend that followed all of this, Kathleen and Wade ordered Colin to come home. They wanted him away from campus to get things sorted out. We wanted him home. We wanted him away from that just so there couldn't be more accusations. This was another big blow for Colin. The big Halloween block party was coming up in Athens, and he would miss it. Freshmen don't miss that. It's a bucket list item. The party on Court Street, the brick-lined main drag of uptown Athens, is a legendary event full of costume partying and visits from off-campus friends. There are also drugs and alcohol. When it was over that weekend in 2018, Athens police and university police reported that they had arrested more than 100 people, at least 83 for alcohol-related offenses. Athens Fire Department said they responded to 20 emergency calls related to the event. But back home in Dublin, Colin slept. A lot. Colin come home a couple of weekends in a row. One of the things I just uh, couldn't believe is the amount that he slept. We were fortunate enough, the weekend before he died, he came home. I took him over to see my parents. My mom made him something to eat and everything. And we visited for a little bit, and then he literally slept for two hours on the couch. I mean, hard. And my dad kept saying, wow, he must be working his tail off at school. And I said, well, you know, I know he's, he's buckling down and doing fairly well and everything. And I said, then he's got his fraternity activities that he's doing. Um, pledging and everything. I said, he's just, you know, he's burning the candle at both ends. He's a college kid. My last encounter with him was taking him to the bus stop downtown. And I remember just giving him a long hug and looking at him. And I said, okay, listen, just make me proud. Whatever you do, just make me proud and do the right thing. Right? And he said, I will, Dad. Wade was doing all he could to help Colin. But Wade was involved with his own significant battle. A week after Colin went off to college in August, Wade was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Doctors caught it early. They said he would likely be fine. At least, that's what he told his kids. But there was already one surgery in early October. He was facing another surgery in December. First week in October was the first surgery, and the second surgery was first week in December. But we didn't even have Colin come home for the surgery, did we? Nope. Because it was not high risk or anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. He was yeah, so these kids are so worried about Wade's cancer and they're hazing the hell out of him? Yeah. Or they're worried about how Colin's taking Wade's cancer. He was at college a week and then we told him and... I remember his reaction when I did tell him. First thing out of his mouth was, Dad, should I, should I be really concerned about this? Not in an aloof way, in a, oh my God. Is this something I should be concerned about? Are you going to be okay? And that's when I reassured him. I said, early stage one, this is the kind of cancer that you want to have, prostate. It can be taken care of, and it's and it's going to be fine. You worry about doing your okay. thing at school. And that, that was the conversation. It was very short. And he goes, okay. Colin also wanted to reconnect with his brother, Aiden. The family had an inside joke that Colin claimed that he was the big cheese, or the most powerful and beloved child. So Aiden had ordered a t-shirt with the words Big Cheese that he wore on the Saturday morning to surprise his brother. It drew the laughs he expected. He was having breakfast and I walked downstairs and I didn't say anything but it said the Big Cheese on it. He just started cracking up. It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. They hung out, made Oreo runs and watched movies. But there was an uneasiness. Aiden was unsettled. He was worried about Colin. 
given what had happened in his first three months at college. Colin and his girlfriend Brinley had split. No one in the family knew whether she and Colin were really done. And then I told him, and I was like, we're done. Like, I wanted this to be mutual, but, like, it's not. Like, I can't be with someone who's self-destructive. And then he said, I just needed a support system, but I guess that's not you. And then he said I ruined his day. (laughs) That's when I found out that he had, like, been... (laughs) That he had been talking to another girl, so I was like, okay, real goodbye. (laughs) Colin's grades were well below expectations. Then the rape allegation. He had been forced to leave campus to come home by his parents. Oh, and the pledging of Sigma Pi. But for now, things were mostly like they used to be for the two brothers. They quoted lines from movies. They talked about sports. Colin loved the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. But later on that Saturday night, while the two were relaxing in the basement, things took a turn. Colin had a haunting confession for his younger brother. I didn't even know it was happening. And when he told me, I even like, I was like, what do you mean they're like, they're hazing you? And he, and he told me he was and like, I'd never, never seen him cry. And he was crying and everything. I mean, that's when like that following Monday when I heard like that he passed, it was like all so quick. It was like, I heard about it a week prior and then he was gone. And that's when I was like completely shocked. It was the first time he had seen his brother scared and crying. It jolted Aiden. But Colin told him that all he needed to do was make it to December, the end of the pledging process. Everything would be good. He just kept telling me, he's like, you can't tell anyone, like, like I'm going to be completely fine. He's like, in a month, like, it'll be all over, and you can visit me whenever you want. You can meet the frat dudes, you can, like, come in. He's like, it'll be fine, like, I think he said two months, because he said after December. That was the one thing he kept saying. He's like, once I make it past December, he's like, I'll be fine. Like, that's, he's like, you can come over whenever you want and everything and so he just told me he's like you just like don't tell anyone like i'll be i'll be okay colin also asked aiden to keep their discussion private aiden agreed colin returned to campus the next week for classes and tried to get back to normal he wanted to maintain a connection with his fraternity brothers He wanted to put the rape allegations behind him as quickly as possible. Colin also started reconnecting with some friends from high school. They had hung out the first few weeks of college, but after fraternity pledging activities, he kind of disappeared. Colin was known among these old friends to have a few drinks, but not to get drunk. He occasionally smoked marijuana in high school and when he first got to college. Above all, they knew that he liked to be in shape. But now his friends noticed some big changes. Colin had stopped working out. He looked tired and downtrodden. He was also doing some harder drugs, mostly Xanax, and occasionally cocaine when at the Sigma Pi house. And he was drinking more. One woman who went to high school with Colin said he appeared to deteriorate very fast. As a group, the friends discussed their concerns about Colin. His dorm roommate also shared the same concerns with Colin and some of their friends. They decided to have a small intervention with him. He told Brinley about it in a late night, early morning text conversation. He said, I mean, I still hold the same values, but I've been through a lot of shit. And I said, a lot of unfair bullshit. 
He said, that's the least of it, honestly. Carolyn told me today she was concerned about my health and habits. I said, why are you not eating? And he said, not eating, sleeping, doing well in classes, you name it. Doing better now in school. I said, why? And he said, frat stuff. Colin's friends said that he told them he would stop taking Xanax. That he was going to get it together. Colin was fading. And he was scared. He needed something to go his way. He needed to regain some footing. And if Colin was going to make it to December as a member of Sigma Pi like he told Aiden, it would require a quick turnaround. But at that moment, Colin was trying to find himself. On the next episode of Broken Pledge, the Wyatt family is shattered by a knock at the door. I have some very, very difficult news to tell you. Um, We've received word that your son is dead. If you want to learn more about Colin, see family photos and photos of Sigma Pi's Ohio University chapter, please visit dispatch.com slash broken pledge. Until next time, I am Sheridan Hendricks. Thank you.